Hello, and welcome to the Taking Control of Your Diabetes podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Steve Edelman. The other co-host is Jeremy Pettis. Jeremy, Jeremy, he's not here today. I'm sorry, but I am joined by a very special guest, my long-term friend and colleague, Dr. Bill Polonsky, who is the founder and president of the Behavioral Diabetes Institute. And I think there's no other individual that has spoken and supported TCOID in our content and our presentations more than Bill. So Bill, welcome. Well, thank you, Steve. I'm really glad to be here with you. Well, today we're going to talk about the diabetes etiquette card that you actually published over 10 years ago. And many of the etiquette suggestions are so pertinent to today. In fact, they're all pertinent, some more than others. What inspired you to do that? Oh, you know, it was a day when we were doing one of our programs. We, we used to do a lot of programs with people with diabetes, and we would ask them about what drives you crazy. And when I did this, and we did this, I should mention, with my colleague, Dr. Susan Guzman, we would hear one of the top complaints was always, ugh, I have so many family members and friends who say such annoying and stupid things to me, and I just want to punch them, but I can't do it because, you know, they usually mean nice, so I don't know how to respond. And sometimes it even isn't even family and friends. Sometimes it's just coworkers or people you meet. And so we chatted about that and said, well, what, would, what do you need? Wouldn't, what could help you since you don't want to just slug this person? And we came up with this idea, really, with our group and said, you know, wouldn't it be nice when someone says something annoying and stupid, instead of punching them or yelling at them, you could just very politely say, oh, I guess you don't know the rules about how to behave when it comes to diabetes. Allow me to present you with this official diabetes etiquette card. And the cards are designed, as you know so well, to be, well, humorous, but also, more importantly, to not to open a conversation, to open a conversation between you and your loved ones and your friends and family and coworkers to say, well, you know, what exactly is the right way to talk about these things and interact with around diabetes in a way that makes sense for me and is helpful for you as well? You know, Bill, I don't think a day goes by when I think about proper diabetes etiquette. And it comes out of a place of love. It comes out of ignorance. You know, sometimes it comes out of not being that nice. But I'll tell you what, those little cards that you fold up, it's they're on your website. And I would, correct me if I'm wrong, these have been distributed around the world for different organizations and people who want them. Yeah, there, there's about a, a, a little more than a quarter million of them around the world now. I think they're in about nine different languages. Um, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing how much these have spread all over. And if they've been helpful to help people open up conversations and talk about some of these tough issues, that that's thrilling for Susan and I that this is happening. I didn't realize you're so famous, Bill. Oh my <laughs> gosh. All right, let's let's go through some of them. I'm going to read the first sentence, and then you go for it, and we'll have a discussion. Number one, don't offer unsolicited advice about my eating or other aspects of diabetes. So we start with that with number one because it by far is the single most annoying thing that we hear from folks, both with type 1 and type 2 diabetes forever. And you know this as well. I mean, it's nothing worse than being out to eat and someone saying, wait a minute, are, are you supposed to be eating that? Or, uh, <laughs> That's exactly quoted perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it happens to absolutely everybody. And so to be able to have this conversation about, look, I know you mean well, and I, I know you're concerned, but trust me, 
I, I got this. And it's just, it's, I cannot think of any time for anyone, not an adult or a teenager, where that is a useful or helpful thing to say. And I think, you know, for me, the hardest thing for me to do in front of other people is order dessert. Like they go, oh my God, he's eating sweets. No wonder he's going blind, you know, or he has ED or something like that. And they don't realize that, hey, if you control your diabetes, you can eat or drink anything you want. You know, that, that's an additional point that I, I think we should highlight as well. A lot of these supposedly helpful comments that people are making are just so wrong. I mean, they're based on old, crappy data that someone read in some, you know, Reader's Digest 30 or 40 years ago. And they said, well, you know, I understand people with diabetes aren't supposed to eat sugar or whatever the heck it might be. So, so whether it's accurate or not, it doesn't really matter, but it's even the, the ac- inaccurate ones are probably even more annoying, as you know. Well, here's, here's another one that is truly annoying. Don't tell me horror stories about your grandmother and other people with diabetes you have heard about. <laughs> this is like when you're a cyclist. Oh, yeah, my neighbor was just killed by a truck riding their bike. It's like, oh, thanks for telling me that. Right. And we heard that so much. And I'm sure many of the people listening to us right now understand that. You know, you meet someone new, uh, they find out you have diabetes, and they say, oh, that's such a coincidence. Because my grandmother, who died a horrible, painful death after going blind and having her legs cut off on dialysis, she had diabetes too. I just thought you'd find that fascinating. Well... Actually, I don't find that fascinating. And that's not necessarily what happens to folks with type 1 or type 2. We can, of course, talk about that more later. But, uh, yeah, again, well-meaning, well-intentioned, and incredibly annoying. Yeah, it's very insensitive, to be honest with you. All right. Next one we're going to discuss. Don't look horrified when I check my blood sugars or give myself an injection. Well, you know, the good news, of course, as you and I know so well, is a lot of people aren't poking their fingers anymore. They're just, they're on continuous glucose monitoring. So that, that particular issue is less of a problem. But when they pull up their show to show you their sensor and, you know, it's like, oh my God, cover my eyes. (laughs) You know what? But Bill, um, you know, you know, we sometimes lull ourselves into a false sense of happiness about CGM, but a lot of people don't have them. Sure. And some CGMs require calibration. Absolutely. And a lot of folk, more folks are on multiple daily injections than pumps. So you got to get out their pen and then you give yourself an injection and then a little blood comes out. You got blood stains on your shirts. And a lot of people are, they go into a coma when they, they look at that. They've, they're so unmedically oriented. Yeah, oh my God, you, you're, you're going to give yourself a shot. I could never do that. I'd rather die. That just sounds, looks, sounds and looks so horrible. Oh my God, you have to poke your finger to check your blood sugar? Ew, could you please go and do that in some other room? The idea that people are being ostracized and stigmatized because they're going through something that's really important for them um, and that people are a little under, uh, creeped out by it, you know, Keep it to yourself is the bottom line. Um, <laughs> but if they are uncomfortable, again, I guess we have to be sensitive to the fact that if that's uncomfortable for them, at least have a conversation about it. And any two grown-ups should be able to figure out some way to deal with these issues. The purpose of the etiquette card is to realize we just don't talk about these things. And by talking about them, we'll come to some uh, comfortable way of dealing with it with each other. Sounds like marriage counseling. Exactly. You know, it really does. <laughs> well, you know... Um, you know, even just saying, uh, as the person with diabetes, hey, I, I see that that might be bothering you or upsetting you. Would you like me to leave the room? And that, that creates a door to have a conversation. Exactly. So yeah. that's can, good. 
Okay, next, don't. Don't offer thoughtless reassurances. So what we, again, heard from so many folks, perhaps you've heard this as well, is how loved ones, family members, friends, coworkers, when they hear you have diabetes, um, decide that their way of responding is to try and cheer you up. And the way to cheer you up is say, oh, you know, you have diabetes. I hear that's terrible, but hey, here's the good news. At least you don't have cancer. Um, could be worse. You could have cancer. Could be worse. You could X, Y, Z. And boy, I'm sure if that's ever happened to you, you know as well, that is not helpful at all. It does nothing for you whatsoever. It's, it's people in our lives who are just stuck for what to say and what to do, and they want to be want to commiserate. They want to be helpful. And it's just not very useful at all. And they, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you'll, you'll be fine. You won't go blind. Don't worry. You know, being thoughtless reassurances. And how do you know? How do you know my control? How do you know the different situations? And for those people who are listening to us who don't have diabetes, let me be clear. Telling someone, hey, don't worry. I'm sorry you have diabetes, but it could be worse. You have cancer is never going to make anybody feel better. Not anyone is going to go, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. At least I don't have cancer. Thank you for giving me that perspective. It's not <laughs> ever useful. You know what? People just have to think. And that's, and that's why this etiquette card is so important. Okay. Don't peek or comment on my blood sugar level, whether it comes from my meter or my continuous glucose monitor. Don't even ask because that is private information. Right. And, and again, I, I think something we hear all the time and this is becoming more and more important over the years, is that your health care, your body, your diabetes is yours. And it is not anybody else's unless you choose to share that with someone else. So the idea that someone would look at and make comments on, whoa, look at that glucose level, really high, what'd you do, Steve, um, is absolutely none of your darn business unless you're invited to take a look at that. And so that, to me, is is a really big issue of just normal, everyday etiquette that we should have conversations with our friends and loved ones about how we might want to have them involved or not involved. You know, it it takes uh, many years to get comfortable talking about high numbers. When my number's good, I shove my meter or... G, uh, you know, CGM device in front of people's face. Look, I'm 110. But I, to this day, I still feel um, embarrassed when my blood sugar goes high. Yesterday was my birthday. I had, a, had two pieces of ice cream cake, and I was walking around showing my uh, CGM monitor of 295. I was so <laughs> proud that I shot up there. And then a couple rage boluses, and uh, that took care of things. But you, you know, your point is well taken because, again, for so many people, that glucose number is often viewed by folks as some is your is about it's an indicator of your self-esteem and your self-worth and so if your number is elevated oh my goodness that means i'm a bad person or other people will see that i'm bad or i've done something bad and you know steve you and i've known known each other a long time i remember before cgm and we would go out and you would often you know, check your blood sugar if we were having a meal. And you would often use your hand to kind of cover up the meter as the number was appearing. I did? Yeah, yeah. Because you wanted it to be private and you didn't want to feel like you were going to be judged by whatever that number was. I think it's just understandable. It's nobody's darn business unless you invite them to see it anyway. Yeah, and it's based out of ignorance too, uh, you know, because I don't want someone to react to say, what'd you eat? What you did? What did you do wrong? And I, I'd say of this whole etiquette list, that one I'm still 
guilty of succumbing to feeling, you know, like I'm a bad diabetic when my blood sugar's high. Like I screwed up. I didn't give myself enough insulin. I ate the wrong foods. I yeah. ate, ate too much. Yeah. So it, I am better now. Uh, yesterday, I was very proud of my high blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it does take a while. And it, mainly because I think I don't want someone else to think of an ignorant comment or thought about my diabetes control. And I do think for you and for people like you who are using continuous glucose monitors, though, it has changed the story quite a bit that because you're seeing so many numbers, the fact that you're seeing one elevated number, you know you can do something about that and you likely will. So it, I think it's begun to take some of the stigma away. Hey, if you don't mind, before you go on to the next sure. or one of the other etiquette points, I want to mention one of the important etiquette points that's not on this card. And it's because in the years since we developed this we, you and I know so many people are using continuous glucose monitors. And one of the things that comes up, you know, if we look at the different systems, and we'll pick on Dexcom in particular, they have what's called the share follow function. So as you know so well, I'm following you, that you can have five people who um, can follow your numbers in real time right now anywhere in the world. And what's always been fascinating to me is when I ask folks with type 1 diabetes and type 2 all over the country, you know, do you, you have a Dexcom device, do you ever use the share follow system and share your data with anyone? It certainly seems like the vast majority of people say no. And they don't just say no, they say no, no <laughs> way. And I think it's because of the issues that you're bringing up. It's this issue of um, these numbers are private and they still are still perceived by sometimes myself or other people as judgments. And I don't want that. And so they keep things private, which is probably more private than they probably should sometimes, just for safety purposes. But it's an issue, and it's why we've talked a lot about having making up a new etiquette card just about Dexcom share or share follow with other CGM systems. You know, if you're following people's CGM data real time, What's the appropriate etiquette you should follow as someone who cares about someone with diabetes? Yeah, that's important, Bill. You know, um, I know the Eversense has one. I'm wearing one now, and I believe Abbott does as well. Now, one thing I've seen, and I know you've seen the extreme, being a clinical psychologist, is like a parent, young adult with type 1, and then you get into that incredible power trip. And there can be some real angst going back and forth. You know, talk about that a little bit. That doesn't work as a share. No, that gets really ugly fast. And again, it, it's it's that fundamental issue. If you're, ha if you're struggling with elevated glucose levels or wacky numbers, the first thought and often the first statement is, well, what did you do wrong? I know what we're going to do about this. And even again, if that's well-intentioned, it, it feels like a terrible blame. Maybe it's meant that way. And that doesn't help. It doesn't help people to say, whoa, yeah, let me kick back and dispassionately think about exactly what I need to do about that. I mean, how you support someone, work with them. Um, you know, our, our colleague, Carrie Sparling, you know, one of our most famous type 1 diabetes bloggers, when we had some early conversations about this idea of, of share, follow etiquette, and I still remember one of the things she she told me about and that she learned from her followers around the country. Well, the most important thing is if you're following someone with their CGM data, never ask why. You know, oh, you had a low or oh, you're high. Why? Because the why, no matter how you might think you mean it, can comes across as a blame. Mm -hmm. So um, we have a lot of work and 
more thoughts to do about how to put together that share follow etiquette card again not just for dexcom but for ever since for abbott etc. yeah you better update this thing you yeah, know? I know. um you know um you and i have spoken about this we actually did a little video on etiquette when your blood sugar is low if you remember that mm-hmm. uh, yeah uh, and i remember the rules you know the people that share typically it will only go off if you get below 55 you know you don't want to be alerted for every other little level and what i tell my patients is that you look at you look you tell your person who's following you look at the blood sugar and very importantly look at the trend arrow so if someone has a 55 or a 54 and the trend arrow straight across you know you don't need to panic as much and if you see something and you you can make arrangements don't text me or call me if the trend arrow is stable but if you have an arrow going down or two arrows going down then uh, my method is i text I follow a few folks, and if they don't respond, I might, then I go to calling. And if there's no answer, I go to number two on the call list, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, what roommate, and, uh, you know, that could actually save someone's life. And that's, by the way, the exact same procedure I follow with you, as I follow you as well. You and, I, you and I had a conversation. Yeah. We got on the couch, yeah. I laid down. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, I just want to be clear, that doesn't mean it's the only or best way. Right. It's what we figured out together and the way that you would feel not hassled and not bothered and feel supported. So it's important just to open up our ears and have conversations with each other to find the best way for people to do that with each other. Yeah, well, that leads into some of the other do's of the diabetes etiquette because uh, uh, offering help in the way that you want to be helped. Number two is do realize and appreciate that diabetes is hard. Yeah. you know, I so, love your full-time job analogy, so please go through that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, this is something, if I remember correctly, and we put this together, again, my colleague, Dr. Guzman, made such a big point of saying, oh, we have to include some do's, not just asking your loved ones and friends and families to stop doing stuff, but what do we want to ask them to consider start doing? Um, So that first one is, of course, just to realize something that most people with diabetes don't understand, that if you have diabetes, type 1 in particular, often type 2, that it is a job. It's not a job you didn't ask for. There's no pay. There's no vacations. You get to do it forever. And you should be respectful of that. And there's no work must come. And there's no... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 uh, it, it is deserving of, to be able to step back and uh, before you open your mouth and say anything to consider, and often in an appropriate way, acknowledge with your loved one that, boy, you know, I hadn't thought about that before. I recognize how much work this is for you. And uh, because I love you, thank you for doing it. You you and I both know Adam Brown, who has type 1 diabetes, and um, he had kind of a famous article that people quote all the time. He listed everything that someone with diabetes has to do on a daily basis, and I think it was over 100 things, Uh, you know, when you... Was it that many? I said that look on your face. <laughs> well, I remember his list of a, all the things that affect your blood sugar. That's what I remember. But but there that's ha- true. That's true. Yeah, um, and and just to which was very humbling in terms of well, why aren't you why aren't your blood sugars perfect? Well, there's so many factors, right? And no wonder it no wonder we have goals for people. We want to have goals for goals that are reasonable. But um, yeah, thinking about just like. Same thing, you know, thinking about all the things can affect your blood sugar are things that you should be thinking about all day long. It's a full-time job thinking about what can affect your blood sugar. Okay, do offer 
to join me in making healthy lifestyle changes. So I want to thank you on the air for riding your bike with me uh, almost every weekend and (laughs) keeping me safe. Forever. (laughs) We've been doing it. That's my pleasure. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think this came up and uh, for so many of our listeners because it's easy for family members to say, well, I'm glad you need to be eating differently or, you know, you're trying to make some changes to follow a diabetes-friendlier way of eating. Um, and But that's not what us, the rest of your family, care to do. And um, just to even bring up this issue with loved ones or for that or for your caretakers or, or caregivers to bring up, you know, I want to support you in some way. And, well, well you and I know this better than anyone, a diabetes-friendly way of eating is, you know, a healthier way of eating for everybody. Um, so how do we do this together? How can I... Um, support you in a way that makes the most sense for you, whether that means we're, you and I are going for bike rides or what we pick when we go out to eat so you don't feel uncomfortable or tormented by the enormous uh, cakes, cupcakes, cookies, and ice cream I'm eating while you sit there and go, well, I'm not going to have as much as you. I, I realize this doesn't really come up in between you and I as much at all, but I think this is just important to consider for folks. Yeah, you know, on our bike rides, uh, for your listeners, Bill follows me, right? So there, are, we've had rides where you've looked, you've checked my blood sugar more than I've checked Absolutely. my own blood sugar. Absolutely, I really, and if I don't hear an alert sound, that means I'm not high and not low. <laughs> and uh, you know, Bill goes, "Wow, that's amazing." And you do freak out a little bit when I start getting low. I do. I, Steve, you gonna take something? I said, Bill, I feel fine. You know, you and <laughs> you and good old Jeremy Pettis always freak out when I get low, and I get grief because I don't take something right. Right away, I don't want to. I don't want to rebound high. And by the way, the other thing I get annoyed about when we're riding our bikes is when I do check your glucose levels, and that I discover that your your blood sugars are probably better and more stable than mine are, even though I don't have diabetes, which is really annoying. <laughs> you've got this amazing system in place now. It's extraordinary what you're what's well, what you've yeah, done. It only took me fifty something years to figure <laughs> it out. Well, let's go to this one. I I, I like this uh, etiquette. Do ask how you might be helpful, because I know. People try to be helpful, but they can be freaking annoying. But um, I've heard you discuss this before, so I'm going to let you go for it. Well, you know, actually at the last uh, TCOID program, you know, we did the one program just a few weeks ago, actually. And I had the chance to uh, have an hour with all of the type threes over there. Again, all the family members and friends. And this particular point was the thing that was most important, which is to recognize that you as a friend, family member, care, you know, coworker, whoever it might be, you want to be helpful. You love this person. You want to support them in any way you can. But you, you really need to stop mind reading and think you know how to be helpful. Um, the most important thing you do is just ask. Just presume you don't know the best thing to do. Um, and just ask. And that's where we start. And if you start that way, your likelihood of reaching a, a comfortable and successful and effective way of being with your loved one is 100% better. Now, you've done <clears throat> workshops for what we call the type 3 diabetic. I know there are other official scientific definitions, but you know we call the person, the, the support person, the caregiver, the wife, the husband, the son who does not have diabetes. Um, type threes, and you've done many workshops with just the type threes, like you did at the one conference. Tell us some other things that typically come up in these workshops. Oh my goodness. 
Um, gosh, so many things. Is there any, is there any anger or I would say angst from these type threes, uh, dealing with their loved one with type, with type one or type two diabetes? Yeah. And that does come up fairly often that people aren't just wanting to be helpful. They're aggravated. Um, they're often angry. Like, um, they see that their, um, loved one who has diabetes seems to be often disengaged and uh, not, quote-unquote, doing what they need to do. Um, And by the way, they're often wrong about that, but that's what they think. And they feel like, well, I'm I'm working hard. I want to be helpful. How come come you're not doing enough? So there's often a, a good amount of aggravation, anger, and frustration that we have to talk about. And we talk about by actually talking about some of these other um, etiquette points. And we keep coming back to, you know, you may not really know how hard your loved one is really working in terms of caring about their diabetes or how frustrated they are or how discouraged they are. And so rather than just being pissed at them, again, we want to turn it into a conversation. But yeah, uh, that aggravation and frustration happens a lot, we see. Well, I, I know of several uh, patients who ended up getting divorced because diabetes really screwed up their relationship. And both cases that I can think of right now were the individual with diabetes had a lot of lows, unconscious lows, and the spouse felt that they weren't doing enough to avoid those lows. So, it, you know, there's a lot of misunderstandings, misperceptions in that particular situation uh, on both sides. And it could lead to some serious, you know, emotional conflicts. Yeah, and I think certainly now when we think about folks with type 1, oftentimes type people with type 2 on insulin, the, all of those very difficult issues around you know, severe low glucose levels ha- becomes a big source of conflict between par- partner and person with diabetes. Um, I mean, if nothing else, we know how many partners are just aggravated by being woken up you know, night after night after night by all these alarms, That's while true. the person with diabetes, of course, sleeps right through it. Um, so, well, these uh, alerts are, are made <laughs> to only bother the significant other laying next to you. I don't know why that is, but isn't that true? It is one of the most common things we hear. You, I don't know if you remember this. We did a program many, many years ago up in Orange County where this, this was a, we did this with a large group of folks with type 1, and there was some endocrinologist there. And we brought up this very issue, and we said, what do you think is going on? And one of the endocrinologists there, who we won't mention by name, said, you know, I think those type 1s, I think they all just have, you know, significant hearing problems. They need to get their hearing checked because it, none, none of these alarms ever seem to... Uh, we don't want to mention their name. I'll Bill, tell you later. come on. <laughs> that, well, that shows that uh, even if you're a healthcare professional, you can say ignorant things. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, totally. Now, I want to finish up with... Uh, Number 10 on your etiquette card. I'm going to read the whole thing. There's only two sentences. And then you can comment and then uh, we'll finish up. Number 10. Do offer your love and encouragement. As I work hard to manage diabetes successfully, sometimes just knowing that you care can be very helpful and motivating. Again, you know, it's it's sort of reiterating the point you made earlier that um, the most important thing I don't mean to speak for everybody with diabetes, but what we hear all the time is it's just so valuable to know there's somebody who's rooting for you. There's somebody who cares about you and about how you're doing. And so if you want to be helpful, figure out the best way with your loved one to how to 
provide those attaboys, those kudoses in a way that's respectful and that really is helpful. And we don't want to presume that we know the best way to do that. We want people to figure that out with each other by having these conversations. But yeah, that's uh, certainly we've seen, uh, we've actually done several studies on this and have shown how powerful that is and what a big difference that makes. So yeah, glad you mentioned it. That's awesome, Bill. Now I waited to the end of the podcast to let our, uh, I almost said viewers, I always do that, our listeners, (laughs) that uh, you should know that Dr. William Polonsky is the inaugural recipient of the honorary diabetes degree. What is that? There's only three people in the world that have this. It's someone who really knows what it's like to live with diabetes, but does not have diabetes themselves. And so, Bill, um, we have bestowed that uh, degree on two other people that you know well, Dr. Ian Bloomer and Dr. Tricia Santos. And uh, I appreciate everything you do for people with diabetes, even though you don't have it yourself. Well, thank you. Before we go, though, let me just add something, that if people are interested in getting a copy of the Diabetes Etiquette Card, all they have all they have to do is go to our website, which is behavioraldiabetes.org. Good luck spelling it correctly. Behavioraldiabetes.org. And you could download copies of the Etiquette Card for free. There's no cost to it whatsoever. Um, you can order. We do have to charge something if you want the official accordion card that unfolds. But the, uh, you know... The normal version that you can actually just see them, all the items, you, you can have, it's completely free. The other thing I want to mention, also available now, we have an etiquette card that's for another group. Like the diabetes etiquette card you and I are talking about is really for grown-ups. But we did make an additional etiquette card for teenagers with type 1 diabetes to give to their parents. And that card's a little different. And again, the design and the, the goal is so they can have a conversation with each other. And I'll just mention the first one on that etiquette please, card. Please, please. Which is that, um, I'm going to not say it correctly, but it's something like, hey, mom and dad, when we meet someone new, could you wait at least 30 seconds before <laughs> you t- inform them that I have diabetes? Um, and, and we kind of, it goes on like that. But again, it is not to presume that what your teenager wants and what's listed on the etiquette card you have to provide is just to say these are common things. These are things that come up and that need to, ha- um, need to be discussed. So use that card for those of you who are parents and those of you who are teenagers to have a nice, quiet, loving conversation about what you need so that you can support each other in the best way possible. Well, that's the topic of another podcast, Bill. And don't tell me what to order for lunch because I have (laughs) diabetes. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.